This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Happy Friday. Game night for the Jazz. They take on the Heat tonight. Tip-off is at 6 o'clock. Jazz pregame begins at 5. But let's talk a little NBA basketball right now with our friend Howard Beck. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Howard, happy Friday. How you doing? Howard, are you with us? I'm here. Can you guys hear me? Oh, we have you now. There you are. Howard, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, thanks. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing great. It's, it's kind of weird. You know, each Friday comes and goes, and we talk to you about the red-hot Utah Jazz, and I figure one of these weeks we'll talk maybe about a, a dip or a bump in the road or something, but yet here we are, 22 wins out of 24 games. It's, they're just not slowing down. Um, and, you know, a, a lot's going in their favor. I think they've been, you know, healthier than, than recent years, and I think they've been healthier than some of their competition, which helps too. And they just have a formula that's working really well for them. And, you know, uh, until we see otherwise. Now, of course, you know I have to bring this up. The one asterisk in this streak is going to be they beat the Lakers not at full strength. And as you guys know, you know, my my ultimate gauge, because I I like to just spoil everybody's fun, is (laughs) nothing is going to matter until we get to the playoffs. Now, I've, I've played both sides of this on your show. I have said we should just enjoy what they are right now, and I believe that. Um, but every time, and I was just on another national show where they were asking, well, how legitimate are the Jazz? And I said, well, they're legitimate. They're, in the dis- they're, they're, they're right there. They're in discussion. They're undeniable. They've been phenomenal. They've been dominant. Um, but everybody's still going to view them with a certain amount of skepticism or, or just curiosity because it's still about can you get through the teams that are considered the elite teams, the other elite teams. And they're built differently. So it's natural to wonder. So when it comes to this streak, as I've told you guys, like I think the number of high-quality teams they've beaten along the way underscores the legitimacy of it. You know, anytime you win 22 or 24, whatever it is, it, it means something anyway. But I saw like the Rockets did it once. Like, what was that streak they had? Some crazy streak like this where I think Yao and Tracy McGrady were both hurt, and they were just doing it with this total scrappy cast. But that wasn't a team that we considered – that we took seriously, but they, they ran off a bunch of wins. This Jazz streak has legitimacy in part because of the competition they have beaten along the way. But we will, we are still going to ask ourselves the question, what are they going to do in the postseason when it comes time to trying to beat the Lakers especially and maybe even the Clippers? And, you know, uh, unfortunately the game the other night does not answer any questions because Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder weren't there. 
You know, it's funny because we wonder these same things, Howard. And that's one of the reasons we love having you on is because you've never, you don't just say something to be nice or whatever. You say what you really believe. And so we appreciate the fact that you're looking at it, but we look at it that way, too. It's kind of like, hey, this is new for us, too. We didn't expect the Jazz to be 26-6 and six at this point and to win 22 or 24. Uh, this, we're, we're all experiencing this together, but there are some voices out there that are saying stuff like, oh, aren't the Jazz adorable? You know, uh, there's some of that stuff going on. And I I think this team deserves more than that. But uh, two things I wanted to ask about right off the bat. The first one was that do you put any any credence into the the 10.1 differential in scoring that this team? I mean, not only is this team beating teams, but they're beating them handily. And and let's just throw that one out to you first. Does that mean anything? Yes, it absolutely does. The analytics guys will tell you that uh, point differential, whether it's the the per game differential, which is as you noted, is plus ten point one, or the net rating, which is you know per one hundred possessions, which is is right in that same range, nine point nine. Also leading the league right now, the Jazz with a nine point nine net rating. Second place is is the Bucks at a distant seven point eight per one hundred. So that's a healthy margin. Yeah. Um, it, it, it that is sometimes more meaningful than wins and losses because you can have some some fluky you know games along the way, and your your differential will often track very closely with projected or or expected wins um, based on a formula. So um, if 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 they were leading the league in win loss, but the net rating was half of that because they won some fluky games along the way. The analytics guys would tell you eh, that net rating does not support the win-loss total. There's going to be a regression to the mean here. They're going to come down a little. That's not the case with the Jazz. They're 26 and six with the best net rating in the league, which I think would indicate that their their record is who they are. The second part of it, I wanted to ask you. You mentioned it that they're different. This team is different. It plays a different style of basketball, and that could be really good or it could be questionable, I guess. What do you make of the way the Jazz are doing it, and do you think it is an advantage for them, not just in the regular season, but uh, guessing ahead to the playoffs? This is the where it's really hard to, to kind of make a definitive judgment because two things. We've seen a Milwaukee Bucks team dominate the regular season and fall flat the last couple of years in the postseason. We've seen that Atlanta Hawks team that we looked at as like, oh, wow, they're better than some other parts, and none of these guys are superstars, but it was, you know, it was Millsap and Teague and Corver and um, this, this and Horford and this nice cast around them. And, and, you know, some of those guys got all-star nods just based on the strength of the Hawks being the better than some of their parts, and they were never all-stars again. And... This Jazz team, I think, is higher quality than that. You know, Rudy Gobert's uh, a better. I think they're different. He's different than Al Horford, but Rudy Gobert on on, on balance is better than than, than Horford, and and Donovan Mitchell is better than than you know Teague or Corver was for that. Like so, I don't mean to, to analogize them to teams that fell apart in the postseason after strong regular seasons. It's just that sometimes you can have everything work right for you and have everybody um, be in perfect sync. But when you get to the postseason and the game changes a little bit, it slows down a little bit, and superstars, the, 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 the value of a superstar who can create out of thin air becomes bigger. Now, Donovan Mitchell can do that, but not at the level of a LeBron James or a Kevin Durant 
And and so you wonder, and I think that's maybe where, if I'm going to try to like re- figure out what the heck Shaq was trying to, to say a month ago, um, maybe it was that, you know, and I think I said this on your show then, like maybe he just doesn't see him in that same strata. Well, that's no insult. There's like, very few people are in that strata with Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, right? Like that's, you know, that's the rare air. And so what's their strength right now is that, especially offensively, instead of having a bunch of elite scorers or elite creators, they've got one in Donovan Mitchell and a bunch of guys who benefit from the fact that they move the ball and they read each other brilliantly. And so defenses are constantly off balance with having to figure out all five men at once, essentially. Whereas other you know, championship caliber teams are usually built around a superstar or a couple of them. So which wins out in the end? Like, that's the question. And as you guys know, I am all in favor of the idea that somebody figures out a way to win it differently, as the Detroit Pistons did in 2004. That's the team we always all cite, right? They beat Shaq and Kobe and Carl Malone and Gary Payton. But that's a very, very rare occurrence in this league. Well, with that in mind, uh, Howard, I want to play you a clip from from Chris Mannix earlier in the week talking about Rudy Gobert. And, of course, I know that uh, you and Chris have a a podcast together, and I believe he said something similar uh, when he was talking to you. But I want to get your your reaction to this clip. Go ahead, Austin. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. Who is more important to the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell? It's tough. It's a coin flip. And they both do different things for that team, which is great for the Jazz. You can make an argument both ways. But this might be the year where you give Rudy – a bit of the edge. We were having a discussion, Howard Beck and I, about MVP, and I, I think Gobert has been like a top five MVP guy this year. He's been unbelievable. Not just the usual defensive stuff, but screen setting, creating space for his guys to operate with those big screens, rolling off them, just the little things that often don't show up on the statue. Every time I'm watching Jazz games, like he's doing something that's impactful on the offensive end. He's doing a little bit of everything out there, and it's really powered this Jazz start. What do you think, Howard? I, I think that I hear enough Chris Mannix in the course of a week that I don't need to come on your show and have you <laughs> subject me to yet more Chris Mannix. I Should mean, have thought about but, that. Thanks. You know, that's, that's all right. That's all right. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll endure. Um, listen, it's a difficult thing, and I think you guys asked me last week, too, about, you know, well, who's the MVP of the Jazz? And, and as Chris said, it's, like it's really hard to parse out. And this is where it gets interesting in the actual MVP race. When we're coming down, you know, the stretch of the season and ballots go out and Chris and I are probably both voting and we'll be looking at the Jazz and they'll be sitting there with their best record in the NBA and their best net rating and everything else. We'll be going, man, don't they deserve to have somebody on on the MVP ballot, which, you know, has five slots. And then you're going to say, but which of them is it? (laughs) And it's going to be tough. It reminds me to an extent of another team that I loved for its ensemble approach the early 2000s Sacramento Kings, Chris Webber was the most talented player and I think was in, in a lot of ways the most indispensable on that team and it, just a phenomenal player. And, and Webber did so much for them, scoring and rebounding and passing, everything. But even the year like they won 61 games in 2001-2002, Chris Webber, I was just looking this up, he finished seventh in the MVP voting that year. And I think, I think 61 games, I think, that was, I think they had the best record in the league. But it was hard to parse out how much of that was Chris Weber versus Vlade versus, you know, Stojakovic, Bibby. Like, Weber was the best player, but they were viewed as kind of an ensemble 
cast that, that produced their, their dominance in terms of their win total. And maybe that's a loose analogy for this team also. It, it's that the Jazz are, are, you know, could very well finish the season with the best regular season record. But they don't have you know, somebody with the gaudy stats that, that Giannis had the last couple of years or that Harden has had or LeBron has had. And it's going to be it's going to be hard to reward them in that regard. I think Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert will both end up getting MVP votes of some sort somewhere on the ballot. I don't know that anybody will put them at the top, even if the Jazz have the best record, because neither of them is so individually dominant in the in the traditional sense that we view it that they can make the case. I could be wrong, but that's 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 my guess as we sit here in February. Howard, I'm not sure whether the guys have it written into their contracts as far as getting some huge bonus if they were to win the MVP. But when you watch the team play, they play like they don't care. They play like they're they're really they're, it's legitimate. Their number one goal is to make each other better. And I know this sounds like hundred acre wood and it's all sweet and everything, but that's the way they play. I mean, we keep looking for any kind of crack in that, and that. That is really the strength of what they do. If they move the ball and if somebody is open, they encourage all the guys encourage them to take that shot. And it's not like, hey, man, I need to get my thirty tonight. Yeah, no, and then most of the time, the great teams have that, and even great teams that are that are led by superstars. I mean, I, I think you know, you know that LeBron's going to get his, for instance, because he's such an incredible individual talent, and Kevin Durant was going to get his. But think about Kevin Durant with the Warriors. Steph Curry was a two-time MVP who invited Durant to come join him, and Durant was an MVP himself. You know, that was a team with four all-stars, and we could have said the same thing about them. No, they don't. They don't care about who scores, and some guys scored in huge amounts because they're just that talented. Durant and Curry, in particular. But I don't think we ever viewed the Warriors as a team that was like selfish. Anybody's trying to like just get their numbers. So the great teams, whether they're built that way as a as one of the you know most talented teams of all time or whether they're built this way as the Jazz are, I think the best teams generally have that. And then occasionally you have the Shaq and Kobe fighting with each other the whole time. But, uh, but most of the time, the, the great teams don't just have high-end talent, elite players. They also have a, a, enough guys who understand how to play their role, play it to the hilt, that, that being um, you know, selfless with the ball is really critical to them. I mean, I don't know how often we've talked about Jordan Clarkson um, in, in, in recent weeks, uh, on this show, but like Jordan Clarkson was considered just kind of a gunner in, in other stops before he got to Utah. And he's been brilliant there, as you guys know, and is, you know, a leading, maybe the leading six man of the year candidate. And I think we all view him very differently than we did when he was in Cleveland or LA. Howard Beck is with us here on uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and I know we ask you about the Nets all the time, but uh, you know they're playing such great offensive basketball. I know the defense isn't there. Uh, Gordon and I kind of did an exercise the other day where we tried to think of a, a championship team that didn't play any defense, and we couldn't come up with one. Can they play? Can they get enough stops to to really uh, threaten everybody else in the league? Or do um, they need to? Maybe I add that caveat. Yeah. Do they need to? Yeah, I mean, I think that's 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 the more likely uh, way to frame it, or the, the more sensible is like, do they do they need to? And and you know, this is going to be the existential question for them. Um, can they play enough defense? Do they need to play enough? And like, their their offense is just so incredibly efficient and so high powered now, and they're winning games without Kevin Durant even. And it makes you wonder if anybody can 
possibly hope to stop them. And it, it's, it, it becomes the, well, if they just play average-level defense and they're just you know otherworldly offensively, then maybe that's enough. And occasionally a team comes along and breaks the system, and they might be that team. Um, you know, I should note their their defense has been, you know, markedly better um, recently than than early on. It's still not good enough, but they're you know they seem to be kind of getting there. I'm I'm going to look it up as we talk as we're talking here, just for the month of February, and see where they're at because I I know it's been better of late. Um, but you know, I've still yeah they're up to like 21st. They were like I think 29th, 30th before, so they're getting there. I still think that ultimately you need a rim protector and not just, well, Kevin Durant can, can, can do some rim protecting. Like, you know, you, there's only so much you want to put on his shoulders. And obviously he's hurt right now, so there's that concern anyway. Uh, if they can pick up somebody on the buyout market, if JaVale McGee shakes loose in particular, I think would, he'd be perfect. I just don't know that there are that going to be that many options out there. And, you know, a lot of teams are looking for reinforcement at center, you know, the Lakers are looking, the Raptors are looking, the Celtics are looking. So, uh, you know, there aren't going to be enough guys shaking loose for all those teams to fill the need. Howard, no way to prove this answer to the question, but the other day, Jake and I were talking about the strengths of the conferences, the East and the West, and we've talked about that every year for as long as I can remember. But do you think this year the West is still head and shoulders above the East? Well, considering that the Memphis Grizzlies are ninth with a 500 record, and in the East, the Pacers are fourth with a 500 record, and <laughs> everyone else in the East has a losing record. There's only three winning teams in the East. <laughs> I mean, this is insane. I mean, as, as, you know, as much progress has been made in the East, they're suddenly incredibly top-heavy. Sixers, Nets, Bucks are all over 600 winning percentage. Everybody else is 500 and below. Like, we just have a, a, a just a, a big mediocrity party going on in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, the, the Knicks are sitting there, you know, re, you know, relishing their breakthrough season, and they're a game under 500 still. But they're sixth in the East because the East is, is you know, a disaster after the first three teams. So, no, the West is still the stronger conference. Um, there's a lot of star power in the East now. And the, it was weird because, like, the West is the better conference still overall in terms of team strength. But the East was the harder all-star uh, discussion because there were just so many worthy candidates, and in part because of all the migration. Harden had moved East, and, you know, Kyrie's in his second season in the East, but he missed most of last year, so he wasn't in the discussion. Durant was in the East last year, but he wasn't in the discussion because he wasn't playing. And so it just – it's. There's a lot of high-end talent in the East, but the teams overall, after the first you know three, are, are kind of meh. So let me follow that up with what Jake asked me. He brought up a great question. Why is that? I mean, it's been going on forever, and we've been asking ourselves that forever, and nobody's ever come up with a definitive answer, I don't think. It's, it's a thousand different things. Um, some of it may have to do with, you know, where the desirable markets are or perceived to be, and so where guys have gone to free agency. A lot of it, you know, look, success and failure in the NBA often tracks with the quality of ownership in front office. And so maybe it's just that there's been better, steadier ownership in the Western Conference than the East. Maybe there have been worse owners. <laughs> um, it's, it, but 
it, it's, I don't know that it's any one thing. You know, David Stern, I'll never forget, back in like 2000, 2002, it's probably 2002 in that, in that range after the Lakers had won a few in a row and the Spurs had won, and, and, and it was this, you know, you know, all-star week in her finals, one of his press conferences, hey, David, why is the West so much better than the East? He says, ah, these things are cyclical. It'll swing back the other way. I remember in the 90s and it was the Bulls every year, da-da-da-da-da. Well, it hasn't been cyclical. We're on like 20-something years here of the West being the clearly better conference. It doesn't mean that the East hasn't won some finals. Of course they have. But on balance, the West has been stronger and has had better teams um, year after year after year. And every year we think, oh, this is the year the East is finally catching up, and then it all seems to fall apart. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, like I say, I don't know that there's one objective reason why. Your theories were similar to ours, Howard. It yeah. seemed to, yeah, you kind of are on the same page we were. Uh, we appreciate it every week when you have a chance to drop by, Howard. Thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, guys. You too. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Our friend Howard Beck, uh, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, and of course, uh, plug for that podcast, he and Mannix, who of course joins us on Mondays, uh, do a podcast every week. We bushwhacked him with that, didn't we? With the with the what the the West uh, first East no the Chris Mannix oh 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 I think Austin I know I know I I was just joking about his response please I think it is enough for him I the more I think about it it's there are more well run more comma well run franchise in the Western Conference I think I think that's got to be the most driving factor don't you. I would imagine so. I mean, Howard Howard said there, you know, desirability of uh, locations of franchises is it really better in the West? I don't. I don't know. Quick uh, update for tonight's game: uh, Tyler Hero is going to be out against the Jazz tonight. He's got a hip issue. No decision made yet on Bam Adebayo's uh, status, as uh, apparently he's uh, warming up on the court now, but uh, still. Uh, nothing official on him, and I'm trying to. Here's his. Uh, he's dealing with a knee, so uh, he's got some knee soreness. The Heat have had a rough go. I mean, after the way they played in the playoffs last year in the bubble, I mean, a lot of people thought they were set up to continue on, and they just haven't had the health and the the, uh, the coordination, I guess, the organization to uh, really be as much of a threat. Uh, much better last year than what's happening this year. All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Slow Mo Joe. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK. Time to welcome in our baseball correspondent, Joe Ingles. Sandy Triangle uh, <laughs> pitches uh, ready to go. Joe, I heard so much about that everywhere I went. I asked one guy, did you hear that? He goes, how did I not hear that? Every show on your station replayed that. You that realize they replayed it because of me, not because of you guys. Oh, uh, yeah, I think we're pretty aware of that, Joe. Which is back to the point of this is my show and you guys are just a little part of it. you got to give us enough credit here for us to be smart enough. Not very smart. I mean, we're in the media. We're not very smart. Smart but enough to get me to come on the show. Right! And we know you're more popular than us. We got that part figured out. Yeah, I remember when Joe begged me to come on seven years ago. (laughs) What a waste of seven years. (laughs) Oh, yeah! Catch Jazzman Joe Ingles with DJ and PK every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. Dirt, dust, dander, and allergens are no match for Zero Res. Carpet cleaning. Want the contaminants gone? Call Zero Res. Right now, just $25 per room. Minimum supply, but give them a call today, 801-288-9376. That's 801-288-ZERO. Gordon, I uh, I assume you're you're predicting a two and zero for the Jazz over the next two nights. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I just don't see a reason. In the past, we we like last season, we saw the Jazz go on these streaks where they would win ten in a row and then lose five in a row. I've seen no reason to believe that that's that kind of thing is is afoot with this team. Uh, I I think they're just going to keep on playing the way they have. And what makes that possible, in my opinion, and I'd be interested to hear, hear yours, is because of the diverse ways they can win. When one thing last year, when one thing wasn't working, then, then the other thing couldn't rescue them. And I know that's being a little dramatic, but uh, it seems as though this year, when one thing's not working, they can turn to something else. and then And then that might spark the first thing. Just a thought for me. No, I've been saying that for a while now, that they can win uh, games different ways. And, you know, going back to they're not just a shooting team or a three-point shooting team. And uh, that they're capable of of playing a number of different ways, depending on what the other team does. Now, tonight against Miami, what the other team does is going to be really impacted by whether or not Bam is able to go. I still would think that the, the Jazz get the win tonight either way. I think they're better, a better team than Miami. Um, certainly right now, I mean, Miami bubble, Miami, that might've been a different story. They were playing, uh, so very well, but no Tyler hero that certainly affects it. But, um, you know, if, if they're going up against, uh, uh, Bamless Miami team, I mean, I don't know what the heat would do really. I mean, Rudy is, is just going to feast. And, uh, if they, they focus all their attention on Rudy, then, you know, we've seen what happens with the three point shooting. So I don't know specifically what answer the heat are going to have for, for the jazz tonight. Have you changed your mind or your view at all about uh, road games this season because of the particulars? No, not really. I, I just think home road matters, uh, you know, the least amount it's ever mattered. Although I've, I'd have to look and see how many fans each particular market is letting in. I think Orlando lets in the most fans in the league, if I'm not mistaken. So Miami's probably not that far behind. They've probably got fans in the stands tonight. Uh, but still, I I don't think it matters as much as it has certainly. Yeah, that's uh, just just the how, how much adjustment do you think there is going from arena to arena? I know the basket is the same, you know the dimensions are the same. Thanks. Uh, what was his name? Norman Dale. Mm-hmm. Is that the guy's name? Uh, it's uh, I get all that, but you know the backdrops are different. Uh, even Larry Bird used to talk about how much he loved playing in certain arenas uh, as opposed to others. And one of those arenas he loved playing at was the old Salt Palace. Um, I, I think, of course, it makes a difference. I mean, look no further than uh, our guy Tim Durier and uh, the question he was asked about how cold everything was. He gave a really specific answer how different gyms are different <laughs> temperatures. You know, um, so that that probably matters to some people. But uh, like, remember, who was it? Was it Scott Pollard? who left the jazz. And when he came back, he talked about how they, um, what was it? Gordon or oh, Pollard? No Paget. You're right. Scott Paget. I'm sorry. Didn't he come back? He said the, the basketballs were overinflated in Utah, right? Remember that? 
Oh, I'd forgotten all about that. Yeah. And so, I mean. Was that, was that an altitude thing? Oh. I don't know. But depth of vision. Um, I've got a buddy who coaches high school uh, here in town in the year that uh, that they played the state tournament out at the Maverick Center. Uh, uh-huh. it, all sorts of teams were having fits out there because the the stands were so far away from the court, so that uh-huh. the the depth, I guess that's what I'm, I'm looking for, right? The depth of vision was was off, so it affected shots. You hear that oftentimes when NCAA tournament games are played in football arenas. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I have no doubt that that the the place can matter, but at the same time, the best the best teams overcome that, right? I mean, your Showtime Lakers could have played anybody anywhere, and they still would have won because they were that good, oh, right, stop Gordon? Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Why you got to do that? What do you mean? Why do I have to do that? I'm proving a point that you would actually agree with for once. <laughs> because it had to do with the Lakers. Yes. I was never a, the, and the their greatness. This whole thing. The irony in this whole thing is that I was never a Lakers fan. I was. I, I, I was never. What a happened? Fan. I, I still am not. What happened? What do you mean, what happened? I mean, you were not, but now you are. No, I'm not. We sure talk about it a lot. <laughs> Probably because you bring it up. You're a fan of cheese, and so you, we're talking about cheese every other segment. You love the Lakers, and it's it's magic this and and Lakers that. First of all, when was the last time I brought up cheese on the air? Like two fifty five months ago. Months okay. ago. <laughs> Although now that you mention it, kind of a powerful appetite for a little cheese right yeah, now. It, it, does. it does make no. Sense. It's, it it seems like the Jazz have matured. Uh, in the, yeah, there's some physical differences from building the building, and you know, obviously they're staying in the hotels and all that stuff. But uh, I, I, you look at that record they have on the road, and uh, of course the record overall is sterling, but. So is it on the road. And so I, I, there's a combination of positive things happening here. The confidence that they have in, in their style of play, the trust they have in one another, and, uh, and the results they've been getting. And, and so that just, that just builds. And like Howard was talking about when we had him on, he said, yeah, we're, everybody's, or maybe you brought it up, you know, everyone's waiting for uh, some sort of dip. And it, it, it's, it's not happening. They lose to the Clippers in what was a very competitive game, even though the Jazz trailed earlier. They fought through that game. and that, No no real embarrassment there. And the Clippers lost again last night, didn't they? I'm not sure. They did, did they? Yeah, I think they did. So, I mean, this happens to teams, but the Jazz seem to be avoiding it. And I, I think it's that whole thing of whoever said that the – the Lakers, when they were playing the Jazz, it might, if, uh, if they were completely healthy, they would have maybe the two best players on the court with uh, LeBron and AD, but the Jazz would have three through ten or whatever. That is working out to their advantage in a major way because the guys who aren't the so-called, you know, uh, elite players, the top five players in the league, well, they're good enough. They're good enough. And then the rest of the guys are, are, are surrounding them with – with this uh, firepower, either at the offensive end or the defensive end, and sometimes both, and in transition, uh, both ways. So it's working to the Jazz's advantage now. They're essentially surrounding these teams, and uh, and and just you know bombing away, and the teams are are left to deal with it. 
All right, coming up next, we'll get to the Not Sports Report, and then we'll make way for Jazz Game Night pregame show coming your way at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. Big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a big show today. We've got Jazz Game Night pregame show starting at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But, of course, we still need to get in the Not Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going over to London. It's all right. Okay. Okay, I have two two items here. The first one is, you may, I don't know if you keep up with the royal happenings over in, in England, but uh, did you know that Prince Philip, uh, he of, what is he, 90-something, isn't he? He is uh, hospitalized right now for an illness, and his wife, Queen Elizabeth, is stressing over this. So what is she doing? Who is she leaning on during this time? She's aged herself. Do you know how old the queen is, either one of you? Is she like 90-something? 90, 90 Not as old as anyway, Phil. She's, uh, she's leaning on Prince Charles, her, her son. She's 94 years old. But she's leaning heavily, the story goes, on her son, Prince Charles. Now, how do you think Prince Charles feels about his position in the family? He's been the king-in-waiting for a long, long time. Do you think he wants to be king? Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but he can't become king until his mom passes. Hold back on the emotion there, Jake. Come on. I don't know. Calm down in there. I don't there. know. I watched The Crown. Char- <laughs> Charles looks like kind of a, a, a confused Buffoon. person. Um, I don't. I don't know. I have no clue, Gordon. Seems that the whole thing would seems you, a little you, antiquated. Would you? No. Well, I'm. I'm pretty you, sure you wouldn't want to be king. There's no power in that. There's no power in oh. any of this. There's oh, nothing. there is power. There is yeah, but there's they symbolic. They can't do there's anything. Sim- there's symbolic power. They just sit around I mean, and drink. He's the king. They- so he's a mascot for England. Right. Got That's it. exactly what it is. <laughs> they just live in a big <laughs> house and and uh, drink wine and tea all day. I mean, what do they you, do? You under, nothing. You under uh, you underestimate the uh, the the way that uh, the British look at their the, the royal family. Uh, I, I I think being king or queen does carry. A whole lot of oomph. Who has more power, and, Queen Elizabeth or Boris Johnson? 
Oh, well, Boris, by a mild Queen, uh, yeah, I Queen Elizabeth that. has none. Exactly. But wait a minute. The only power the well, royal family has is to to get them off from bad behavior. That's it. That's right. They can get away with it, whatever, <laughs> and they get away with it because they have what Gordon's talking about. But as far as any sort of influence, they are. They're but a mascot. you got to win. You gotta admit he's been waiting to be king for so long now. There's no difference you know? between and, king and prince. Like there's yes, nothing. There is. There's yes, not. There is. Yes, there is. Come on, Jake. There is. There's no yeah. prince in a deck of cards. There is a king. He gets more of an income, maybe, if he's a king. He's king. That, of nothing. Of nothing. It has no consequence. <laughs> All right. I just wondered if you if you guys were the runner up. If you'd be, the, I mean, if you were the man on deck and and you could never get to bat. Jeez, Queen Elizabeth is lucky that Gordon's not her son because he'd be trying to smother her with a pillow or something. Gordon no, Dice no, I'm, Serious I'm, Gordon I'm, Dice hey, leave, great, great pull, leave, Austin. Leave me out of this. I have, says, I'm asking you. I'm asking of you if you would want to be king. We've both said no. You, you're you're I, asking I me? You well, yeah, I do think you'd smother Queen Elizabeth with a pillow if I met you. You got to be king. <laughs> I would not. Yeah, I do. I do think it. that. Because especially after this segment, it'd be a finely upholstered pillow, right? But still smothered nonetheless. I w- <laughs> you guys know I would. I, okay, the other thing, real quick, is there's a chef who has found out, and he had had a theory, and he thought that uh, a good way to cook a steak would be to put it in the toaster. And so he did it. He tried it. And he said it tasted every bit as good as if he had fried it up himself. Well, you know that so, a, a toaster and a George Foreman grill are like the same thing, right? <laughs> no, it's a toaster toaster. It's a real... No, but like, like from a fundamental concept, they're basically the same thing. A toaster has more power than the king or queen of England. The toaster does have more power than the king or queen. It does something. That's true. Yeah, it has a function. Well, apparently he was stunned by the results, but it really turned out well. However, he did warn folks not to try it at home. But I don't know. What, what is it dangerous? Would it start a grease fire? Just trust me. Trust me. It worked. It worked once, but don't don't you try We're, it. Jake, try that sometime. Put a, put a, a slab of beef in, in your toaster and see if it cooks it up. I don't think I'm going to do that. All right. You know where your toaster is? Yes, I know exactly where my toaster is. Mm, do you? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Raise your hand if you believe that. Austin, how I don't I see your know? I don't see your hand up. Strange. How how would I know? How would I not know where the toaster is? How did you not know where the bread is? Or how to shut that the freezer? Was, that, that, wait a minute. That was 39 years ago. <laughs> Jeez. No excuse. And, 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 and look, she was moving the bread around at that time. Oh, really? She was she was the bread. Okay, let's put it this way. <laughs> if Lisa moved the toaster, how long would it take you to notice? <laughs> 39 years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would not. It was one time, and the bread was moving around. And, oh, come on. Give me a break. 39 years ago. Gordon, Jeez. have a good night, buddy. You too, man. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz Game Night pregame show next here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I hate goodbyes. I won't have to work until Monday. Woohoo! All right. Well, have a good weekend. 
Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. George Niang right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Last year, losing to the Nuggets was really hard on a lot of us during the offseason. Being up 3-1 and then having that, I don't want to say devastating comeback, but it wasn't good. I think a lot of us realized, you know, if we want to do this and all be together and enjoy the time that we have together, we're going to have to win. What is that going to take? And I think a lot of us have put a lot of thought and effort into the defensive end, and that's translated for us to be able to play fast and shoot a ton of threes. And I think we just all enjoy the camaraderie and being around each other. We have a really unselfish group, and I think the best part about us is we don't care who gets the accolades or who scores the most points. At the end of the day, if we're winning, we're just, you know, happy to be on a team that we all have a good time and enjoy being around each other. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.